You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Just a wee bit of Christmas excitement up here. Uh, I like, I really like Christmas. I really like Christmas songs. People know them. People like to sing them loudly, just like an elf, you know. How's that quote go? Uh, The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to cheer, cheer, is to sing, is singing loudly for all to hear or something like that, right? Okay. My family never watched Elf that much, so I've seen it, but it's always been like secondary with other people that really love that movie. That's just how it goes. Um, Nevertheless, nevertheless, we will uh, just dive right in here. So the first question is, why do we observe Advent? Why do we do that? Why is that something that has been on the liturgical calendar for time immemorial? Okay, so for a couple of millennia at least, maybe not time immemorial, but it's been there for a long time. This is something that the church has done in Christmas. Like, this is a big thing. This is a, this is a season that really kind of infiltrates our culture in a lot of ways. Like, we we get, on, we get on our horse and we're like, well, they're taking things off of the Starbucks cups. And we get worried about that. Some people get worried about that. I don't ever get worried about that. Um, I just like the pretty red cups. That almost makes me want to go to Starbucks. Not that much, though. Black. Uh, yeah, no, I like my little coffee shops. But, but it's infiltrated the culture. And to somewhat, maybe the culture's infiltrated what we want it to be. But there's a give-take. But this is important. Now, we said last year, I, I went back to our notes from last year just so that we didn't completely repeat ourselves or maybe to plagiarize from myself. Uh, and I, we said that Advent, and I modified this a little bit, but we pretty much said that Advent is a time of preparation, reflection, and anticipation in the darkest days of the year to celebrate the arrival of the light of the world. a time of preparation to celebrate the arrival of the light of the world. And that's what we said Advent was last year. Well, it hasn't changed. It's it's still that. It still applies if you want to go back and listen to those. But let's let's build on that a little bit more. I was thinking, and and Advent, as I was driving down from my brother's wedding, I was somewhere around, I think it was Cary, and uh, it just kind of hit me in the forehead I get, I get these ideas when I'm driving. And Advent is a time to remember and to dream. I said, okay, yeah, Advent, we get to remember, we get to look back, and then we get to dream about what's coming because Advent is also this second Advent of Christ. Christ is going to return, we know this. So we get to dream and hope about that. Advent is a, it's a time to celebrate. Sure, Christmas, Advent, gifts, Thanksgiving, turkey, lots of eating, all the calories, right? Pie, pie. Dave knows what's up when I say that. Yeah, he likes the pie just as much as I do. Love it. Pie. (laughs) That's the meaning of Christmas. (laughs) It's time to celebrate and to hope. But it's also a time that we get to lament and we get to reflect during this season. 
It's because for a lot of people, Christmas, it does happen during the darkest days of the year. And I mean, look outside. They, they stole an hour from us. Isn't that how that worked? From our evenings with the fall back or spring forward, I don't know, whatever, the daylight saving thing, right? It gets darker sooner. And pretty soon it's going to be the dead of winter here and we're all going to be like, what is the sun? Where is the tanning bed? I think Arizona might be on to something. Might be on to Snowbirds have it figured out, right? Winter can be tough for people. And this season can be tough for people. So there's this celebration and there's this lamenting. There's a dichotomy to it. There's a little bit of both a bitter and a sweet. But really, at the core of the question of why do we observe Advent, at the core, at the very center of this, is that celebration is central to life in God. Celebration is central to life in God. If you remember a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, wow, that has been a minute, back in our Sabbath series, when we wrapped that up, I said, uh, I talked a little bit about how we needed to live a life with God at the center and everything was going to be an overpouring, an outpouring of that, right? That if you have God at the center and everything is an outpouring of your love for him and his love for you, I got a little preachy on that maybe, who knows, but it's, it's kind of important. It's a thing. This is why we observe Sabbath. It's also why we observe Advent. It's this celebration It's central to life in God. God commands us to celebrate, and he commands us to do it well. Are you like, really? Where does he do that? If you remember, Marty said that there's a a saying with the rabbis that a man will have to give account for all of the indulgences he doesn't take. They seem to think that was important. And God commands his people, which we've been grafted into, we are his people now, he commands his people to celebrate multiple times a year. There's this whole rhythm of of celebrations and festivals. Ray Vanderlyn uh, has a fantastic little write-up I can can send to you if you're interested, but I'll pull from this a little bit here. Uh, He introduces it by saying, in the Old Testament, God instituted a religious calendar for the Israelites to follow. When each year there were seven specified feasts, four in the spring and three each fall. Through these feasts, the Jewish people celebrated their history, their faith, and the blessings of God. So God commands this. If you're curious, it's in your, it's in your sermon notes here. It's in your bulletin. Exodus 23 is one of these places. We're not going to go through all of these because we'd be here literally till next Christmas. There's a lot of passages today, but... Uh, Exodus 23, 14 through 19 here. He talks about Passover and unleavened bread. It was kind of a package deal. Uh, Feast of harvest and the feast of ingathering, also known as Shavuot and Sukkot. And then in Deuteronomy 16, he talks about Passover again. That one might be important for them, maybe. I don't know. He mentions it a couple times. And unleavened bread and the feast of weeks, which is another name for the feast of harvest, Shavuot. And the Feast of Booths, which is another name for Sukkot. These are, as a fun fact, these are the three that they would pilgrimage for, right? That God says, you guys should go check this out. And that's in Deuteronomy, I think it's in verse 17. God tells them specifically, like the men are supposed to, you're supposed to pilgrimage for these three. 
we're going to gather together in the place that God's going to dwell, Jerusalem. Okay? So there's, and then in Leviticus 23, he lists off all seven. So we get all seven of them listed in 23. And that one's, that one's a pretty easy one to read, but we're not going to do that. I'm just going to give you a quick gloss over. So let's go to this next slide. Boom. Here's all seven of them with at least one of their names. Okay, so we have Passover. Now, Passover comes uh, the 14th day in the first month in the spring. And it's to remember God's deliverance, right? The story of Egypt. And unleavened bread gets packaged with that. So Passover is God passes over them with uh, the plague. And then unleavened bread is God's celebrating God's provision for them in the desert. And so literally just one right into another, like party into another party. Passover almost kicks it off, if you will. Now, I'm not going to claim to be an expert in any of these because I did not grow up Jewish, and I, frankly, reading about them, there's like six names for each, and you're like, wait, what goes where? So it takes a little bit of effort, but we can go to our Jewish brothers and sisters and learn a little bit from them, perhaps. So that's Passover and unleavened bread. Then we have first fruits, which is to celebrate God's gift of the harvest, followed by Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, as we said which is a thanksgiving for the end of the harvest and the anniversary of receiving the law. So they, they package this together. They bring all the stuff in. They bring their tithes in. And they celebrate a good harvest. And then they celebrate that God gave them the law at Sinai. And it's a big party. It's a, it's a humdinger. After that comes Rosh Hashanah which is the most fun to say. Rosh Hashanah. There's a lot of shh in there. Oddly enough, even though there's a lot of shh, it's not very quiet because this is also known as the Festival of Trumpets and they all get on these ram's horns and just blow hundreds of these things during this. Uh, My friend Marty, that's his kid's favorite because they have these ram's horns and the kids get to blow on them and they're harder than a French horn for anybody who played brass. They're very difficult to get a good sound out of, for sure. Um, they might make duck calls sound musical, would be my possible opinion. But, so they, they have this festival of trumpets, and this is to prepare for God's judgment. It's their new year, if you will. <clears throat> Reminds them of their past. Followed that by Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. They do a big sacrifice there. And then they send a scapegoat. They put the blood. It it transfers the sins of the people onto the scapegoat. And they send the scapegoat off into the wilderness. There's all sorts of fascinating stuff there. But it's the day that they seek forgiveness as a nation. And lastly, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Also known as the Feast of Festival Booths. And they all go and they live in tents. And it reminds them of their time in the wilderness. which is probably a little more fun for the kids than it is for the adults. Because, I don't know, Rob, do you want to go sleep in a tent for a week? No? No? Okay. I kind of think it'd be fun. I must still be young at heart. <laughs> so it's kind of a big deal, these celebrations. God implements them, and it's, it's this consistent rhythm that people have to observe, and it's important to them. And it's not just observing them, it's observing them with vigor. 
Let's look at Deuteronomy 14. Uh, specifically, Deuteronomy 14.26 is the verse. Now, before this, uh, leading into this verse, it's, uh, you bring your tithe to this place that God chooses to make his name dwell, and there you proceed to have a giant potluck with everyone, is how I'm going to describe it. Okay? Joy's like, yeah, I'm about that potluck life, right? And if you can't carry all of your produce, let's say you're, you're traveling into Jerusalem, but you're way out in the boonies, and you, don't, you can't carry all your grain, all your cows, your sheep that would be a tenth of what you made for the year. You can't carry that in. So you're supposed to sell those and bring the money, bind it to your hand and bring that with you. And then you do this. And spend the money for whatever you desire. Oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink. Whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. And it's also worth noting that right after this, he says, and you take care of the Levites and you take care of anybody who doesn't have enough. Because, I don't know, if Jeff Bezos, we'll just use this as an example, if Bezos showed up with a tenth of what he earned and it was in grain and he tried to eat all of it, besides being entertaining for all of us, it probably wouldn't work so well. He might be, he might need to share in order to have all of that grain eaten. See, that's the, the potluck idea. Like, if you got a lot, you, bring, you, you got a bunch of cows, well, bring some cows. Well, this person's got some grain, and we all pool together, and we have one big party together. But you go after, and, and, and it's whatever you want. You're celebrating well. And we'll come back to that, maybe. But what good can come from this party? Like you're like, okay, a party's all well and good. Everyone loves a potluck, but what good can come from a party? Well, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite stories. Uh, we read this uh, out of Kings, but it also shows up in Chronicles, and we're going to use that today. This is in Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles 29 and 30, the, both chapters. We're not going to read them. Don't worry. Once again, don't want to be here till next Christmas. But uh, I'll give you a little spark note. But it starts off this way in, in chapter 29. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abja, daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And I just said, he's not, he's the daughter of Abja. He's not David's biological, like he's not, he's not direct, but down, down the line, like his father coming before him, it's, it's making a reference that he's doing things like David did. So Hezekiah, he's like the first, if you're familiar with kings or chronicles, there's a lot of really bad kings and very few good ones. Hezekiah is one of the few good ones. So Hezekiah goes about putting things back in order. He's, he's inherited all this chaos, split kingdom, and war, and just people not following God. And he starts to put things back in order. He rehangs the temple doors. He starts to restore the temple. He starts to restore temple worship. And this includes celebrating the Passover, which is where we pick up in chapter 30 at the beginning of that. It says, Hezekiah sent word to all of Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month 
they had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. The plan seemed right to both the king and to the whole assembly. So they have it in their minds, we're going to celebrate Passover. But then they realize, we don't have enough priests. And we're not getting everybody together yet. So we can't do this properly. So instead of saying, well, bag it, and we'll try again next year, they say, nope, we're just going to be late. And that'll be okay. Man, if that doesn't sound like roughly right. These guys are mission ridgers. So they send out all these invites all over the land, and some of these places laugh at the concept because you've got this northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. You've got these people that don't like Judea and Jerusalem and Hezekiah. They don't, they don't like them. And so some of them laugh at it and scorn it, but other people, they, th- they hear this and they say, oh, that's a good idea. We should do this. We're going to go. So they go. And these people come into Jerusalem, and they have a humdinger of a Passover. It's massive. They go about celebrating. And and in more roughly right, many of the people are not purified like they should be. They're not purified like they should should be. But Hezekiah prays for them. He says this, May the Lord who is good pardon everyone. Who sets their heart on seeking God. Everyone who sets their heart on seeking God. The Lord, the God of their ancestors. Even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. Hezekiah prays for these people. They they don't know what they do. Like it's been so long since they've celebrated well. Since they've observed this. They're doing all sorts of pagan things possibly. Or they just aren't properly clean. There's rules and stipulations. With Passover specifically, you've got to make sure you get all of the yeast out of the house. They dust the house with a feather to make sure all of the leaven is gone. But Hezekiah prays for him. And what happens? The Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Now, we might talk about healed the people in footnotes because I have no idea what's going on there. I don't have a good idea on that yet. It was about the fourth time I read this. Wait, he healed them? Were they, what happened? I feel like I missed part of the story there. But the important part is the Lord heard Hezekiah in that prayer. And even though these people are not, they're not doing it perfect, it's more roughly right. It's in the wrong month. They're not consecrated properly. They're like, there might be leaven all over the place. Who knows what's going on? But they're trying. And they're seeking after God. So they finish up that week of unleavened bread, and then they do this wild thing. They decide that the right thing to do, the the appropriate thing to do, is to carry on the party for another seven days. Seven days of music and celebrating. And they sacrifice another 2,000 bulls and 17,000 sheep. Now, I've been to some big potlucks. I ain't ever been to a potluck that big. That's a humdinger. This is a celebration. The story ends like this. It says, There was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the days of of uh, Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Since then, it hadn't been observed. They hadn't done this. 
The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. It's a pretty good ending. But it gets better than that, because in chapter 31, the very first thing that they do, wouldn't you know it, these people that came in from all over the countryside to come celebrate, these people that might have been the cousins that we didn't get along with very well, that came in to celebrate, the people that just don't get it, well, wouldn't you know it? They all move back. They go back to their places and on their way, they smash all the idols and they tear down the Asherah poles because they're so moved by this experience of Passover, of re-experiencing their God at this celebration. Their lives change. Lives are changed because they celebrated well. So what good can come from a party? What good can come from a celebration? Apparently some changed lives. So that's part one, maximum celebration. Let's talk about authentic celebration. Because I think that's an important aspect of Advent and Christmas, is that we're authentic in our celebration. How many, are you guys familiar with the concept of compression? whether that be compression shorts or audio compression, maybe a little bit, like squeezing something down, right? So when we compress something like an audio signal, like we take some music and we compress it down, we squeeze the highs and we squish it so that it sounds better coming out of phone speakers or little earbuds, right? If you want to know what I'm talking about, listen to a classical music piece and then go listen, like on your phone or some little speaker, maybe in your car, and then go listen to it live with an orchestra. And if you do this back to back, you'll realize that when you listen to it on those little speakers, they've taken all of the really loud, beautiful, majestic notes and all of the really soft, really quiet stuff, and they've brought the quiet stuff up to a medium, and they've brought all the really loud stuff down to a medium, and now all of a sudden your dynamic range is just this far, and you lose a lot of the peace. So that's compression. And I think we can compress our holidays and our celebration somewhat. If we don't let let ourselves experience the lows, then those highs aren't so good. If we don't let ourselves experience the highs, then we're just stuck, we're, we're robbing ourselves of the full experience. This is where the lament comes into. Y'all know the story of the Grinch? You remember the Jim Carrey movie, maybe? With Cindy Lou? And she she starts off feeling that Christmas is just a little, there's something wrong with it, right? Uh, Her dad's the, uh, what was he, like the post office guy or whatever, and there's like all these packages and everybody, the whole town goes insane for Christmas. Very consumeristic. I love how they depict it, Right? Everybody's buying stuff, and it's all about the the glitz and the glamour and having the bright lights and the proper things. And Cindy is sitting there thinking, there's something missing. This feels hollow. And on the flip side of that, we have the Grinch up north of Whoville, right? 
And he has some serious trauma and baggage involved with that holiday. In, that, in their, their rendition, he has been traumatized by Christmas. I love that. It's fantastic. And so he misses out on the joy of the celebration because he pushes everything away. The rest of the story, we see they kind of need each other. There's this healing that comes from that because we need to find the people that are in the lows. And we also need to realize that it is not all about the highs. We need that full breadth of emotion. And I think most of us, Chris, miss the target. (laughs) Felt really good about that pun. In one of these two ways. We either try to turn Christmas up full blast, right? And we overindulge or we overspend or... It's all, it has to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time, right? Joy. That's funny. Or we get the people who Grinch. And if you're one of these people, I'm not calling you a Grinch. I think the Grinch is the hero of that story. But we, we Grinch and we, we fester and we get cynical and we just kind of... <laughs> We miss out on the joy of the celebration. And neither one of those is right. I think Advent helps us to avoid these pitfalls. Because as I said earlier, Advent is this time that we get to remember the past. We get to dream about the future, right? We get to remember that Christ entered into our world in the darkest, you know, in this dark time. Rob's going to talk next week about just how dark, just how overshadowed the people were. And Jesus comes in and he moves us down this path of peace and restoration towards shalom, this this plan to put the world back together, which is pretty magical. And we get to dream about his return the second advent of Christ, this coming of Christ, that he's going to come again and he's going to finish this restoration of all things because it's not all put back together. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. Like in all reality, there's still a lot of brokenness. We have experienced in this room, we have experienced, I know every single one of us have experienced brokenness in this last year. but we get to look forward to this. We get to look at the hope that is to come. And Advent is a time that we just choose as a community to observe that and reflect on that. And Advent is this time that helps us to celebrate where God has been in our lives, similar to those Jewish festivals of where God showed up in their lives, and they come together and they celebrate, we get to celebrate that during Advent. Has that been a part of your Advent before? It should be. We celebrate where God shows up. He's coming down to meet us. We get to lament that brokenness that we still experience. And if we lean into that, if we don't let Advent squash 
the compre- we don't compress it down so that it just becomes this, yeah, we just got to do it, we just got to make it through, and then hopefully the credit card bill is not too bad. Hopefully I don't gain all of those pounds that I really didn't want to because I ate too much pie. If we don't squash it, then we get to experience those. And they make each other sweeter. We get to reflect on where we still need the Savior to show up in our lives in that brokenness. We get to lean on the hope that we find in God meeting us in those places. Now, we were going to use a story from Jen, but Jen is broken today. Uh, Her voice is broken. She's not feeling well. Uh, But Jen was going to tell a story about her first Christmas with her girls. I'd encourage you, find either, we might use it later this Christmas, or find her and talk to her and get the story, because it's a really beautiful story. But it's got bitter and it's got sweet in it. It's got both of them. I'll say what, that story is infinitely better because it has both of them. And so you, we, we're going to end that with asking, how have your Christmas, how have your Advents been? Are they happy, happy, joy, joy? kind of sugar-coated? Are they maybe not so nice? Do not enjoy the holidays as much? Where do, your, where do your Christmas seasons tend to fall? So the implication this week is a bit of a challenge. The implication is to celebrate Uh, Celebration is central to life in God. So celebrate well this season. We're not officially in Advent yet. We like this is the pre-Advent Advent. This is the Advent of Advent. I don't know how that works. We're thinking about it. We're being intentional about it. As we move into this, celebrate well. Because celebration is central to life in God. Festivals are a big part of his command for his people. That's how they get to remember. That's how they worship. That's how they interact. And it pulls people into him. When we're singing and belting out Christmas songs and people are hearing that, they're getting a dose of God. They're coming into contact with the creator of the universe through how we're behaving, how we're worshiping. Celebration is central to life in God. So let's talk about some some advantageous actions that we can take. (laughs) Felt good about that one too. Fantastic. There it is. Al got it. All right. (laughs) First one, have a discipleship conversation about the things that you need to lament and celebrate this season. <clears throat> now, I was maybe going to start this with a, a story of how I would drive six hours in the dark and snow just to be with my family on Christmas. Um, I decided not to start it that way, but I decided that we'll throw this in here because 
yeah, I did that. I did that. Um, my first Christmas that it looked like I wasn't going to be able to make it home. And I had, I had just missed my first Thanksgiving. And it downright broke my heart when my brother sent me a picture and there was like 35 people sitting in my grandpa's like kitchen. It was like friends and family. And I was celebrating with family up north and I love them to death. And I'm eternally grateful for that. But it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. Because Thanksgiving was kind of a big thing. Christmas was kind of like we got the clan together. 35 people in a kitchen. It's, I mean, it's no Hezekiah, but it's pretty good. There was at least two turkeys. So I missed that because I was working retail and I had to work Black Friday and, and all of that, and I just couldn't make it back. And Christmas was coming, and I only had Christmas Day and the day after. So Christmas Day and Boxing Day off. I had to work Christmas Eve, and then I was doing the Christmas Eve service, and helping out with that, I said, and I decided like the day before, I'd just kind of been stewing in it. I wasn't happy. And I wasn't stoked. Like, what am I going to do? And I had a couple options for Christmas of like going and hanging out with people, but it wasn't going to be the same. And so I drove six hours. I got off, done with the service at like 8 p.m. And I drove from Moscow, Idaho down to Hagerman, Idaho, which is normally a six and a half, seven hour drive, but I did not stop to do gas. I didn't have to. One tank of gas, never stopped to pee, straight through. I think it was like six hours and 15 minutes. I also was maybe speeding a little bit. It's possible. Could have happened. I only told my brother Brian that I was going to be doing this. So it was a surprise to everybody, which was fantastic. Uh, so that was, that was a positive there. I was exhausted from it, but man, was it worth it because I got to celebrate. I got to celebrate well with my friends and I got to celebrate well with my family and my cousins that came walking in and then saw me sitting there and they just like lost it. There was a lot of, I I got a picture of them taking a lot of Instagram pictures of me because that's the important thing to do when you're a teenager, right? But it's gotten more difficult for years after that because I don't know if you guys know this, but schedules get a little crazy. They get a little busy. People get busy with school and your kids grow up and then they get married. My brother just got married and my sister and I had a sobering conversation the other day that, oh, Daniel's not going to be there for Christmas. He's going to be there for Thanksgiving with Haley, his wife, and that'll be fun. That'll be great. But then they're going to go with her family for Christmas. I kind of knew that was coming. I don't think my sister had thought that one through. She wasn't, she was, she's probably still having a little bit of a crisis with it. That's the thing. And I, I'm faced with the stark reality, this is probably the last Christmas that I'm going to get to have my grandpa there. If we make it there. I'm looking at Christmas and it, it might not be super happy. It, it could really kind of suck. And I have two options here. I can get cranky 
and become the Grinch about it. And I can, or, well, I guess there's three options. Cranky Grinch. I can get manic and like overspend and overindulge and do all of these things and go Christmas, Christmas, Christmas and throw up all the lights and try to cope that way. Or I can lean into and experience the full breadth of that. I can lean into Advent and I can say, yeah, this is where things are. And family's going to get messy. It's going to be a hot mess when that goes down. But I can lean into that and I can say, God, I need you down in this. God, there's, there's redemption to be had in this somewhere. I, for the life of me, cannot see where that's going to come from, but there's redemption to be had in this. Now, what I've just kind of done with you guys, you guys got to have a discipleship conversation. It was kind of one way because I got the microphone and y'all are sitting out there. But this is kind of what, when I say have a discipleship conversation this week, Talk in your care groups. Talk in your life-transforming groups. Talk with somebody that you're going out for coffee with. Whatever that looks like. Have a discipleship conversation about the things that you need to lament and about the things that you're excited for and you need to celebrate. As we're moving into Advent, let's talk about that. Let's be intentional about that so we don't accidentally squash and lose some of the beauty and the richness that is Advent. Our next one is intentionally plan how you invite God into your celebrations this season. This might just be asking yourself, what traditions do I have already with your, fam- with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors? What does that look like? This might be as simple as asking God, uh, you, let's say you've got a, a, a work Christmas party, Right? You just throw up a little Nehemiah prayer kind of right before, or maybe before, maybe earlier. We could, we could not procrastinate. I'm going to procrastinate, absolutely. But ask, like, God, God, help me bring a little bit of your love and joy into this for my coworkers. Help them see a little bit of you through how I celebrate Christmas and how we do our Christmas party. Help me to do that, God. It might be as simple as that. It might be as simple as just inviting your family, like your friends and your your kids and your grandkids, as I know many of you do, to Christmas Eve, right? You already do that. Do you tell them why it's so important to you? Maybe Maybe that opens up the conversation. Maybe that, instead of being like a generation that rises up and doesn't know God, like Rob talked about last week with Moses and Joshua, maybe instead of that, maybe instead of like, oh yeah, that was just something that grandpa or, or mom really liked, but eh, I don't need to do that. Maybe if they know the why of why it's important to you, maybe that carries on and that passes down. I know it did for me with my parents. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can just be those things that are already going on. But be intentional about it. Or maybe there's, you can start doing something. When I stopped being able to do Christmas Eve at home with my family, right? That was kind of it. We'd always do Christmas Eve services and we were always doing the music. I don't know, shocker. The Daily's doing music. I usually got cajoled into playing 
discants on the trumpet. My mom always wanted those, and you don't mess with mom on Christmas. If mama ain't happy, then Christmas ain't happening. That's just the rules. But I don't really get to do that anymore because I'm working in ministry and I'm seven hours away and we do our own Christmas Eve service, which is fantastic. So I, I get to lament the fact that I don't do it with my family, but I get to celebrate the fact that we get to do it as a family. And I got a whole new family that I get to celebrate Christmas Eve with. Lament, celebrate. It's both. It's good. But what I do is I invite friends over after Christmas Eve uh, service, and we just hang out, eat, drink, and be merry, and play games, and I don't know, whatever. And I'm intentional about looking for people that might not, like, oh, you're not going home for Christmas. Why don't you come over on Christmas Eve? It's just something, it's a little, it doesn't really take much from me. Just a little something that I can do. And it intentionally invites God into that because now I get an opportunity to be a light to them. I get an opportunity to celebrate well. And who knows, maybe when they go home, they burn some altars or tear down an Asherah pole. That's not a Christmas tree, by the way. (laughs) Celebration is central to life in God. So this season, this Advent, let's celebrate well. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. For more information about Mission Ridge, visit our website, missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Most people are doing four weeks of Advent. You guys get 25% more. 25% more Advent. But it was either this or we were going to start doing Christmas songs October the 1st. So we had to balance it off somewhere.